team, Iris here. Welcome to Love Story. Today's the day. I'm so pumped to be sharing my conversation with two incredible leaders of an organization that is near and dear to my heart. Rachel Spencer Hewitt and Garlia Cornelia Jones are both artistic powerhouses. We get chatting about how they've come together to advocate for parents' rights in the arts. Let's listen. Can you both introduce yourself and then we'll we'll dive in? Uh, well, my name is Garlia Cornelia Jones. Um, I, I do a lot of things. Right now, I don't really know where to start. So I'm a playwright and producer. Um, also the producing director of PAL. Uh, and I, I wear a lot of hats. So I think we'll start there. Can you share a little bit about how you grew up, a little bit about um, what drew you to the arts in the first place? And yeah, sort of the beginnings, the beginnings of Gorlia. All of those things. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, well, I am from Detroit. And so I grew up in a very artistic family. My um, dad is 95 and um, is an actor, an opera singer, was a t- teacher for about 60 plus year, 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 years. And um, he had a uh, choir, choir, a a, a magical choir that uh, toured in Canada and a little bit in Great Britain. So I grew grew up in this in this family. There's where a black blended family, I guess that's what people say, but I, I have, there's five kids in total, so I've got three older siblings and then one brother who's just under me, so I'm I'm number four, or I'm the oldest of part two, two as people say, and we all play an instrument or sing, and so the art was, like, huge, so I think really knowing a little bit about how I grew up is just to know that the arts is like baseline. My older sister plays the the classical piano. My older brother also plays the classical piano. So just growing up hearing the two of them play. My other older sister also plays played the the uh, piano and they both danced so like I was a little girl who would dad dance um around the room as my sister M- Monica played show but uh, on, on her very big uh, her uh, great grand piano 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 so just being you know, having that like really uh, the the uh, classical upbringing. My dad, dad has performed Othello over four hundred um, times, and like was was uh, just doing Othello and Ju- Julius Caesar all the time as a kid. So like just having those things as a part of my up upbringing. We grew up a Catholic, and so. You know, um, 
you know, church, church, I, I think a, a lot of what I really understood to be my upbringing is really based in ceremony and ritual, which does have a lot to do with like, you know, I think a bit back on it really does have a lot to do with the things that we learned in a Catholic family and a black, a black, black Catholic family. Also important to know, um, kind of, there is a very strong black Catholic tradition and in Detroit, you know, uh, we were just kind of a pop uh, a part of that so anyway that's the like early early things about how I grew up that I don't often say or don't really say in like this full 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 way because I have so many siblings who are all so talented and we all like sing together too which is a cool thing so that is a cool thing have you guys thought in COVID to like make an album or (laughs) <laughs> we did well actually it's so funny because we did one test recording of a ma- magical that that's that that's what we would sing and it was for a test to show something at the at the public so we all recorded it and i actually just need to get that footage footage because it is something that we did during that time during this time which has been really um, cool so, so yeah sort of um Two, two follow-ups. Can you explain to those of us at home who don't know what a magical is? And also, can you speak to why the public and what that connection is also? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think, well, a ma- magical is a 16th century, like, art song. The one that we sing a lot is A Carol of Beauty and... I guess you think of music that would might be sung during a Shakespearean play, and oftentimes you might end up with a magical. So I, they're like art songs, and they're there's a lot of la 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 la. A lot of love in them. I've never ever actually ex- explained them, so I don't know. <laughs> it's like maybe not be the, the best. So if there are any Shakespeare or magical scholars, I am sorry out there. Um, but we, I just it's just something like I've known my whole life. So I think explaining it is maybe I'm finding it challenging. But anyway, um, and the connection to the the public is I am a a line producer there. But this isn't your first time producing. Oh no, I've been I've been a producer. I've been working in the theater, I think practically my entire life. Made that kind of very uh, intentional leap in high school doing like product production work very early on. Named it, named it when I was 18. Went went to college, tried something else out for like half a semester, but stayed in theater and was like, oh yes, this is what, I, what, what I'm going to do. And then the work I've been doing in terms of creating spaces for Black artists I've been doing since I was like 19. So essentially like 20 odd years almost of creating spaces for Black artists. So I've been producing and I produce with another Black organization called 
Harlem Nine. We we founded in 2010. We produced for 48 Hours in Harlem, which has been happening for 10 years. This year we did a... The digital offering of the event um, and uh, the other organization that I founded uh, and run is Blackboard Play- Plays and I've been working, I founded Blackboard in 2008 so now we're heading into like 12 or 13 years of making space, space for Black uh, playwrights and so my producing work really has existed with that and has more recently expanded beyond the, the, the public into PAL as well which is the producing artist the <laughs> parent artist advocacy league which connects us all yeah great um I want to come back a little bit to the multidisciplinary pieces of your work as well, but you've just introed so nicely into Rachel. Uh, Rachel, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Rachel Spencer Hewitt, and I'm the founder and executive director of Parent Artist Advocacy League, also known as PAL, for the Performing Arts and Media, which does connect us all in a really exciting way. That's why we're all here. (laughs) So can you also share a little bit about how you grew up, what drew you to the arts, and then, you know, sort of start to talk a little bit about how you founded this work where and how PAL got started. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, Garly, it's so interesting because we've only hinted at um, pieces, like I know little bits of your story, but um, it's kind of a bomb drop that we have almost identical upbringings. Um, my dad uh, wrote and directed plays in church. And so I grew up, like, if you're just listening to this, Garly is freaking out. And that's what I was doing while I was listening to her. We're best friends. We're just finding this out about each other. Um, my dad would write and direct plays for church. And so since I was in diapers, I was just on the stage And it was just such a natural part of my life's rhythm that almost on a weekly basis, how you tell a story is by embodying it for people to watch in your community. And it is about tradition and ritual. And I've just always known that it's how our heartbeats align and it's how um, communities come to understand something greater than themselves. It's storytelling is a way to transcend. It's a way to communicate the abstract to the emotional that's still very um, palpable and visceral. When sometimes language fails, you adopt the language that you can. It's living metaphor. And there's so much um, concept that can be captured uh, that you cannot get through literal explanation that you can capture in metaphor. And when you put metaphor inside someone's body, to me, that's theater storytelling. And I think that Church tradition has that quite a lot. I mean, even the Greeks, the tradition, the storytelling was religious and um, countries all over the world. Um, in Japan, like the stories of of the gods and the spiritual connection to that is just universal. Uh, so my history is tied to that, that it's it started in church. And so uh, my family was also all artistic and they all were part of those performances. And our family made a film together uh, when we were older. So, um, yeah, this idea, and this does connect to Powell because this idea of intergenerational tradition in storytelling and art is my life. And when I 
you know, I, I went through my 20s and had like a rough time in this like very discriminatory industry. But the art itself was always something that I, I craved and I needed. And so when I became a mother, it became very apparent that whether or not someone accepted you as a storyteller uh, depended on looking out that someone would be compassionate. There was no consistency, there's no standard, and there was no public forum to have the conversation, to say, you know, some people discriminate to the point of losing work, um, being completely left out of the system and dropping out. Children are not welcome. Children are seen as a burden. And if you have a supportive organization or a supportive community, it's an isolated event. It's not something that's the national standard. And so I knew that we we needed to do some more research, which I did, and I researched Ma'am Ireland, um, which is a part of the Waking the Feminist movement. This is like motherhood needs to be included in the conversation of feminism in the arts. And then Pippa UK, which was talking about um, parent and caregiver support in over in Europe. And um, I realized that what we needed was something that would have the structure to support a country as vast as the United States, because our artists travel everywhere. It's not enough that the theaters around you could support you because what happens if you get a job a thousand miles away? How do you find community? How do you find resources? How do you communicate with those theaters that this is what's ethical and this is what's compassionate? Um, and so we launched in 2017 after I had you know, been blogging for a couple of years just to break the silence. And that was our theme is motherhood breaking the silence. Um, and now we're a national organization with over 10 local chapters raising the national standard of care for caregivers. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about how you and Garlia met? And Garlia also chime in here. Like, how did you guys meet? How did oh these gosh. two stars align? Um, it was a very magical moment. <laughs> it was. It was. And like uh, uh, the moment before we met in person, um, we... It started uh, when we launched our first national child care grants for parents. Mm -hmm. and Can you say what those are for people who don't know? Sure. So um, in the arts, there's little to no financial support for caregivers, which just compounds the lack of financial support for caregivers in our socioeconomic structure. Um, and we had been talking to certain organizations, and there are some that do provide child care support, but many who think it's illegal or who, who don't have it. So we said, well, as PAL we'll give grants. We'll give grants for childcare because we know this is what artists need to survive. Um, and so uh, every year we provide a minimum of $750 for mother artists of color and $500 for parent artists of color and parent artists um, to apply and say, I need this, I need this financial support to keep making art. And it goes through an objective survey process to find finalists. And then the finalists are determined by an external review committee who remains anonymous through the process. And the review committee always follows our vertical 50-50 principle, which is a minimum of 50% people of color and always includes the Black experience. So um, our goal was to not only provide childcare grants, but in our mission to center BIPOC parents, particularly Black mothers, to also have a review committee that reflected um, the lived experience of that need. Um, and our first year, we were so excited. We were like, oh my gosh, we're doing this. And it went through the objective process and finalists were found. Um, the finalists were sent to the review committee and the review committee came back and, and told me, all right, these are the people who will receive the grants. And I was like, this is great. 
And I got to uh, take a look at the applications and, and just like send out the notifications. And our first recipient of the Mother Artists of Color childcare grant was Garlia Cornelia Jones. And when I read her application, I was at that point when I was like, congratulations. And I was like, you're awarded for this, for your work. And I had to put a few lines on like what she was working on. And I think I read through her application three times because I could not believe how much she was working on. And I also realized that I had been lied to for a very long time because at that point I was still believing that um, predominantly white nonprofits were were doing the work of creating, you know, a career trajectory support for playwrights of color. That's like a big one for black players of color. And here was an application from a single mother with two children saying, I have been supporting black playwrights throughout their careers for over 10 years. And the only thing that was missing was financial support. And to know that we got to be a part of supporting that, I know is just a drop in the bucket of what she deserves, but we were thrilled. And then I'll, I'll let her tell how we how we got to meet in person. But that was my first connection. I was like, congratulations. I also know that this is not enough. And so anything that we can do to support your work moving forward, we're here to partner with you for the rest of time. And that's a commitment (laughs) I intend to make good on for the rest of my life. So now Carly, I can tell you a bit about that magical moment of when we actually got to meet face to face. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think I will say that Rachel and I are stuck together, and it's just it's it yeah. is it is a forever thing. Which we kind of I, I think even in your first like no, note to me or something, I was like, who is this woman? And I'm like, wow, she's just like got this huge. It's like energy and spirit that I was really drawn drawn to, but also felt a lot like me and that we just kind of stay up and do do things. And I was like, okay. Um, An instant connection. And I will say two weeks ago, we were both wearing denim jackets on a Zoom call. And I was like, oh, we're finally matching. But yeah. You got, I, I agree. Just a huge affirmation to that. Yes, yes, yes. From the beginning. Um, well, also, just to share shout out that I didn't even know about this Greg, this opportunity. There was this other mom in my town who, you know, is, is, um, is white, but who's also a playwright and said, Oh my gosh, look at this. I have like, you should apply. And we had kind of just, just met and we kind of instantly were like, cause there's not a lot of playwright, moms that you meet at like the school you know yard so just a huge shout out to her for kind of saying garly apply for this and I, I did and I was like wow this sounds just like me I was like this is I looked at the application I was like oh so you're you're asking to give me some money <laughs> I just I was like yes. oh okay hi nice to meet you so I think that was um that was just this and then and then when we met in person um before the women's day on a broad way of event we we'd been kind of texting back and forth and emailing and uh it was it was such a big day it was also like i had just started this job at the at the at the public at the 
at that point, I'd only been at the public for maybe two months, you know, and and my personal life was just like all over the, the place. And so that those like funds were really useful when I had to like hire a sitter to be here with the kids after school because I had been home with them for all these years. And so now I just gotten divorced. I'm like, I, you know, was in the house at that time, just me. And so um, it was like, oh, he, like these are this, the, the, these funds were really cru- crucial to the support of I need to have a, a sitter be here with my kids after school until I get out of work. And this is before I really understood that my job had me out, you know, like having to be out at six, like those funds covered about two weeks of me having to be out of work at six to get home. And like, you know, just do, do, do doing that and just like no knowing. And un- I mean, I already understood it and knew it from my previous work experience. And, that, and that's why I ended up staying home with my kids is because it was like, how was I going to be able to afford for this? And now I had this job with a little bit of a more salary, but still, honestly, like, you know, really understanding that like our caregiver needs are not supported by our jobs. And so we are just like really paying to the dollar and just not having enough. Like we are barely making it, Mm -hmm. if making it at all. Mm-hmm. And I really am, I'm on the if making it at all mm-hmm. part, mm-hmm. just to be com- completely honest, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, um, and so, you know, pal has been like, oh, this is where I need, this really matters to me because, you know, how I even got into this uh, situation, like not, you know, not, I think not having a traditional mid- maternity leave Mm -hmm. after after I did have a have a kid and like just you know a small organization doing what it what it um could like kind of working within the means that they have well we can only offer you this or this you know and like you kind of making a choice but it's like uh you know but really like there sh- should have been more more options for me and there should be more options for for, for, for other moms. So I know, and for other uh, dads and for other, mm-hmm. you know, grand, grand, grandparents who have to, have to do this work. So I know really intimately what it means to like make a choice between the job and childcare and then having to pay the child. I mean, I, I know both sides of it. And so, I think, you know, the the moment when Rachel and I met, it's like, oh, you're this woman who's like put this name on doing this work, which really means a whole lot to me because I hung around with my kids, carrying them everywhere, just like running around, do, still doing all these things. Gave birth to my son on the sidewalk one week after I won an Obie Award for this other, for, with Harlem, not nine, like my children and my giving birth is so tied to the creative work that I did before I got to the public. It's like hand in, 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 in hand. And I fought so hard to like, like when I watched all my other friends who were like all the, all the playwrights I supported through Blackboard and like seeing them, you know, 
Omova, but also knowing that many of them did, did not have children. And so I did. did. So how was I going to go to a, re- a retreat with mm. kids? Mm-hmm. How was I going to do, do, do those those things? I was really fortunate to get a, a, um, a residency for parents in Detroit, right outside of, De- of Detroit, um, called the Mom and Pop or, 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 or a residency at this place called Pop's. A uh, pa- uh, pa- packing, which is funded by the Sustainable Arts Foundation, but even th- those type of opportunities are very few and far be- between. And there's so many parents who need that support, and there's so many parents who are like trying to get uh, get, uh, get it. So like, just knowing that like. Or just to be in like a communion or together with with uh, Rachel is like, oh my god, you're amazing. And then we just like met and we like had this picture where we're like really ch- we'll so we'll send it to you, Iris. You can use it as your promo because it's Rachel and I. It's like our first day we met. We're like so super excited to like meet each other. It's like I found my long lost like sister, mom, stay up all night, do all the things. And also does like, you know, the great graphic and like what web stuff that I also do. And just like, so we kind of share that same language. And so I don't know, I could clearly go on about her for days, but I think it was just, it was this very exciting meeting at a very like crazy time in my, in my life too. Cause I wasn't, I was very new, new, new with the public. So also I was saying, Hey, I have to take a few hours off. Cause I got to go speak in front of uh, women's say on Broadway. I know I'm really new. New here, but also now I'm going to speak in front of like a national stage. P.S. <laughs> Sorry, it's like I mean, what a better introduction! I, I, <laughs> I hope that like they took note because you're like, hey, I know I'm new, but I'm kind of a big deal because that's. The <laughs> truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, what it was is um, Women's Day on Broadway was highlighting ten changemaker organizations in 2019, and they um, wrote to me because they asked me to moderate a breakaway session on um, parenting and caregiving in the arts, and they said we also want to highlight PAL as a changemaker organization on stage, which was such a huge honor. And they said you can come speak yourself, or you can bring um, someone else from your organization or who represents PAL. And as soon as I read that line in the email, I knew it was Garlia. And I texted her as fast as I could and was just praying that she was available because I knew she had started this new job. But um, I I still to this day, I couldn't think of anyone who better represented Pal, of someone who does everything in spite of the lack of support but is deserving of all of the support. I mean, even her describing, you know, there are residencies, which shout out to Sustainable Arts Foundation, shout out to those residencies who do provide it, huge. But then also what will make their selection process have more breathing room is that our goal is to make these residencies and organizations and programs that do have childcare support and parent support and caregiver support, not the unique situation. They should be standard. What should be unique is when you walk into somebody's doors and they don't have caregiver support. And that should be like, oh, interesting. Why? Because this is a thing that we do now. Um, and that's that's the goal. But yeah, I invited her. She was available. She's like, I'm only going to be able to get there right before. And I was like, 
woman after my own heart. That's totally my life. Um, and I was instantly comfortable because with her because of that. And I was like, great, she's not someone who has it all together because of what mother does. And um, she showed up and we gave each other a huge hug. And I really felt like I had known her for a hundred years. And we spoke for maybe two minutes before we walked onto a stage. Um, I mean, in person, we had been like texting nonstop like like besties and they walk into a national stage that was you know available virtually live internationally and we said this is pal and this is what we stand for and we we haven't been apart ever since no we haven't (laughs) so and this though just for our our listeners at home to clarify this is before garlia joined the organization in her now more formal capacity so can you both talk me through how those conversations went, you know, where now that you've joined Garlia, what you like, what the goals are now that this has become a more formal partnership also. I mean, it it felt formal right at the start, right? I mean, I I think, um, you know, I think a lot of things that that I've been saying and so like how like on. Palak unearthed, oh, this is the part of the artistic work I'm missing, you know, because I, I think I've, I'd always wanted to create like a, a, a parent's retreat for black parents or something. Like I've always wanted to do those things because I didn't have those things. And I know other moms, like one of the other producers for Harlem Nine, one of the other women is a mom. And, you know, she has two kids, husband husband and kids, like all of this. And so she's been creating, Sandra Daly, Daly Sharif has been, you know, creating and being a mom and doing the hustle forever, right? Like, so she, so like I kind of, in doing Harlem Nine, always saw her doing like a million, trillion things, doing the teaching and all of this. But like, she's one of a few, few others, but like it wasn't something that was like talked about it was just like she was just doing it and you know she would take her kid to audition like you know there's a group of people who just knew you take your kid to auditions and this is how how you know how it 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 it, it happens I don't have that experience I'm, I'm not I'm not an actor but I've heard enough of my actor friends like talk talk about those 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 things but for for me to really give like focus to like some of the work and to like shout out parents and shout out no you shouldn't like you should get a real maternity leave and if the organization cannot afford it how can we support the organization to afford it because I'm I'm not going to blame the organization like I didn't get a full maternity leave I'm not going to say that it's their that it's all that it's like their fault I'm also going to say that we're in, we're in a country that doesn't make it possible for an organization to support their parents that make that 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 makes them have to choose and give people like kind of alternatives which can be which at, at that moment are like very generous and flexible but in the b- bigger scheme they should have been able to say no here's your maternity leave Pay, uh, paid, you know? And so how can we make it possible for those things to happen? How can we su- support parents in the arts and say, well, if you don't get the full, here's a stipend that will cover some of it. Like, how can we make those things possible? And because I've just been so affected by that, I think just 
I don't know, just like always wanting to be in it. That's something I do. I just always want to, you know, that's part of my affliction maybe is I want to be in it way too much. And I got to say, okay, I got to stop the being in it and just like, you know, look at the things and tell other, help other people be in it. (laughs) But, um, I, you know, I just have, I have, I'm all, I, I had such a passion for pal. I had such a passion for Rachel as a, as a human and just like seeing this work, you know, um, I was invited to be the chief rep for, for New, New York, and that was really, really cool because it's like, oh, I get to meet other parents. And just like, and so I got to see some more of, of my parents, friends, you know, my parent for friends in those rooms. And also no, no, noticing that most of those people are not Black. Most of the people are not people of of color, most of those people that I was seeing are like white parents. And so how can we support more black parents, more parents of color, more caregivers of, of, of color? Because also understand that like the familial structure isn't always mom, dad, you know? And so who else is taking care of children? Who's also taking care of uh, parents. I have uh, in the parent and caregiver group at the public. We also have some people who are who are caring for for older parents, and, and those those things are also and they really appreciate being included in, in that conversation. So I think just my wanting to be in it, the and and the, and the passion I had sort of like solidified. That and I was also always willing to go on whatever journey Rachel wanted to go to go on, and also to say that Rachel and I will get on the phone or get on a Zoom, and it really, it's like we could go on forever. We have to kind of put time it's true. <laughs> limits on it, right? And so, but then we we just start like we're like, so what if this happened? What if we did this? Or I want this. And like what I've learned is if I say to Rachel, I really want to do this, she's going to be like, okay, well, let's figure it out. And she'll like in a couple days have like a plan for how it's going to be. Or she'll, and it's like, you know, like I I think for so long, Blackboard has, has needed just a different type of, of support and like maybe an eye to kind of see specifically what that is and to, and to like just honor like me and, and, and the work I've put into it. And Rachel really sees through that. So it's like, she just, and it's really important to like have this like other eye that you, that you really trust. And so Rachel just become like in, 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 uh, I that I re- really trust around this like advocacy w- work um, too, and I think it's like why would you not want to w- work with a person that you just res- respect and like knows that you know has your uh, back and like understands what's inside of you in a way that other people just don't always like. I can gut check with Rachel about things and she's very honest and 
I can go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's that's like the exact mutual sentiment and perspective that I have in terms of um, bringing Garlia on in a more formal capacity because, you know, there was the instant connection. There was, you know, Garlia embodying everything that that we were finding was the real need about saying like, no, there are BIPOC parents, there are Black mothers who are doing the work already. They don't need you to do the work for them. They need you simply to give them money for childcare. Like, that's actually your job. That's your role. Like, that's your role as an institution with with the funds. And then we find Garlia, who's been supporting Black playwrights, you know, for over 10 years and now doing it as a single mother and now as a single mother with a full-time job. We're like, quite honestly... Here is someone not only deserving of the support, but she very quickly became a friend. And it was it was apparent from the moment I saw her application, we started speaking, not only is she a friend and someone in a deserving leader, she's a visionary. Where she's someone who can articulate not only what her lived experience is, but then project that onto, and here's where it should go in the field. And when you connect with a mind like that, you don't let it go. <laughs> and when, so when she started having conversations, that's why instantly I was like, hey, listen, I'm I'm fi- trying to find people who can lead communities locally because, you know, I can't decide what Miami needs. All I know is I can, I can help run the national perspective, but I need someone in Miami to say, here's how it's unique to Miami, et cetera. I was like, I need someone like that for New York City. And you know this place inside and out. Would you be willing to be the New York chief rep? And she's like, absolutely. And so she was gathering community. She was communicating what the needs were. She was vision casting for what these chapters would look like. And, you know, as it grew, she became my gut check. She became my sounding board where I'd go to her and I'd say, okay, great. This all makes sense because here's where I feel like the steering committee is is talking about us going. And here's what I would love to do with the grants. And what do you think for this? And her ability to say yes, because it applies to X, Y, Z needs. And that's why the programming matches or here's how the program can match. Or when she says, I want to create a residency, a retreat for black parent playwrights. I mean, just like communicating that idea. I'm like, it's just the obvious need that only a visionary can communicate. Um, And she's also incredibly skilled in editing and producing. And so she would also come on board and she produced our first (laughs) digital Zoom fundraiser for the play um, Mother Load by Jenny Lamb. And she was editing (laughs) on Mother's Day, taking editing notes and producing our first reading throughout the entire Mother's Day, which is like totally against our company values, by the way, to have her work that holiday. Um, But she sat there and she wanted to get it perfect. So while I... I forbid any of our participants to ever do that again. What I recognize is I was like, here's, um, I, I don't know if I can say that, but I'm like, please take my day off. But what, but what I did see was she made the, the art and the parenthood in art come to life mm-hmm. in a way that like, I can create a strategic plan and I can help us set up goals for art, but she's helping the art come to life in a way that I knew we needed on a national level. I had wanted to, you know, formally engage with her. She was already in my eyes and in my experience, she's already contributing to the national vision. And I wanted her to be part of the executive team because we have a shared leadership structure at PAL. It's very horizontal. This organization is for everyone. You literally can participate at any level that you feel um, is your passion. And so 
what was important to me though first is to make sure that if we if I was going to like make that invitation to her as my friend and as an artist and a leader I respect I also wanted to be able to have the financial structure in place to at least honor that. And so we brought her on, we were able to bring her on this summer as the producing director. And it's, it's just elevated everything that we've done. And I, I live in constant gratitude for the work that she does. It's just really, yeah. So this leads me to two questions because I think, and I should have said at the beginning of this discussion that I am the managing director of PAL. Which we could also talk forever about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so I'm asking these questions like I don't know the answers to them, but I am <laughs> conscious that we have listeners who aren't familiar with PAL, who aren't familiar with Blackboard Place. That's right. And so can we, we, can we spend a few minutes talking about those two pieces now intersecting? And I also really want to also make some time for, being mindful of time also, for this idea of equity at every stage. Mm-hmm. And the intersectionality piece that's so critical, right, either in that vertical 50-50 structure, Rachel, that you mentioned and is a huge part of PAL, but also in both of your work, right, Garley, the way that that feeds your work and also how it's funneling through and driving PAL to raise not just a national conversation, but a national standard, right? So. Can you talk to me about the intersection of like Blackboard and PAL? And then I do would love to sort of close the conversation around these, you know, how these other equity, how this conversation is is being, you know, funneled through every facet of PAL and is your, you know, two individual artists as well. Um, yeah, so Blackboard and, and PAL have like, partnered for a uh, player writing festival for black care to, to, to takers that really focuses on black parent uh, uh, parent parenthood because just to be very basic black mom uh, the the sto- stories of black uh, moms and the, and the stories of black parent parents and care the givers are just not to- told and not enough. We will we will have a weekly climate digital festival after we um, have this national call for some. Missions, which is really exciting as we um, get get to meet new, maybe, you know, I'll be hearing from new uh, Black parent and caregivers I I have not been full for. And so I think that's just a, a perfect... Uh, a partnership for a pal. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from, like I said, from the beginning, our our goal, and, and maybe I'm answering your second question, Iris, like while I'm addressing um, this really exciting new opportunity, it's like from the beginning, our goal, you know, 2017, I started at the Berkshire Leadership Summit with my first nonprofit training and 
you know, they had us going through like how to develop a nonprofit budget. And I was doing all this for PAL to make sure that I built a structure that actually did the things that it said it was going to do. Because uh, also growing up in church, you learn that the nonprofit structure is broken. Um, and we'll leave that for future conversations. But I was like, okay, so, but if I'm going to make something um, that's going to support people, I, I've got to make it the right way. And it was there that I really dove into the conversations of what it looks like for, you know, a nonprofit organization to say that it supports um, BIPOC individuals. And then it was just people of color as a general term, but the board is all white and they hire a very diverse cast, but the organization staff is all white and the community is all white. And then this creative team is living in an environment where they not only don't feel safe in the residences, like where they live, they also don't feel safe going to the company manager if anything does come up. And this was over three years ago that I was hearing these stories. And I would attend the TCG conferences, you know, to participate on parenting panels. But I was hearing very specifically um, a BIPOC, BIPOC individual saying, we are experiencing racism in the theater over and over and over. And honestly, the vertical 50-50 that came up with PAL, it's just, it's just a name that I give an accountability system. These are all ideas and thoughts that come from BIPOC leadership and BIPOC individuals who are saying, this is what we need to feel safe. And so I was like, what can I, you know, at the time it was me and a few friends who were part of the steering committee. There's nothing formal about the structure at all. And so I said, what, what can we build then to make sure that we're held accountable like for life as we grow. And Vertical 5050 was born, which means that from our advisory board to our board of directors, to our steering committee, it will always be 50% people of color, always have the black lived experience because on the vertical, we started the diversification at the top. And that in that way, any individual who we support could look at our organization and see a clear path upward of representation, that there was never a ceiling that they felt if they were not being treated well, they could surpass me and go to someone above me and say, there is a situation. Um, and again, this has been this has been requested by BIPOC artists for all time. <laughs> just was the goal is just to create a system where it was like, I want to be, I want them to see visible accountability that we're putting into place to say, hey, I, my goal is to develop structures and to raise funds and to throw support behind these individuals. And I want to do it in a way where I am held accountable, that all the programming meets these needs. And you'll be the the wonderful surprise of all this, which is no surprise to anyone who has these lived experiences, is that, you know, the accountability is the necessity, but then the huge blessing of it all is that our conversations on programming naturally center BIPOC individuals because they're in the room, because they're there. Like that's like how do you how do you reach community? You put them in the room and you put them in charge. That's it. Like it's really that simple, and um, it streamlined everything. But then that feeds into, you know, Garlia's vision, like her as a visionary, first talking about okay, what does it look like? She's like, we need to tell more stories about black mothers. We need more black joy in our plays and we need more black motherhood and black joy in our plays. And I, and I would just affirm it all. And I would say the plays that I'm seeing on black parenting, like feel very much like 
produced by white producers where it's like all the tragedy and all the catharsis for a white audience, but like none of the dynamics. It's like, I don't see your story on stage. I mean, I'd watch someone giving birth on a sidewalk after winning an award and it would sell. (laughs) That's the story. That's, that's like the, that to me is like the, like the very real life, (laughs) um, uh, storytelling that we need to demand to, to be sharing far and wide. And so we developed the Black Motherhood and Parenting New Play Festival that we're going to be sending up to make sure that parenting is on stage and not just parenting, but parenting that centers BIPOC parents. And the reason this is important is because our child care grants aren't just for individuals, they're also for institutions, but they're match grants where we say financially, we will help you because we know it is so tough to find finances for this. But you have to invest in it too. If you create a budget line for this, $250, we'll match your $250 to make that $500 available for the artists you want to support. And that when we engage with them that way, we say, if you just do, we want to be parent-friendly in general, it's going to default to privilege. But if you're intentional about saying, we want to center BIPOC parents and meet their needs, you will develop a structure that meets the needs of everyone. Because privilege will support parents into that structure, but it doesn't happen the other way around. Um, And so that's how, you know, storytelling and um, creating intentional caregiver support on a national level go hand in hand. Is you, they have to, we all have to be in the room together and the people you're centering have to have, have to be present as well. Yeah. Um. I, re- I want to be mindful of time. So I just want to leave, you know, last minutes for any sort of final thoughts from either of you. Like, you know, you have an audience, we hope. So anything. <laughs> I just want to say support. Yeah. yeah. Support Blackboard Plays. I mean, it's it's been an organization that um, as an artist, as just me, Rachel, as an individual, uh, I, I want to support and I do support and I um, support it by supporting Garlia's Patreon, which I also want to send people to because <laughs> she's the founder of this organization that for over 10 years has been supporting Black playwrights. Um, I'm going to ask her to name drop the plays and the playwrights that have gone on to have their plays produced at the public who had their first readings at Blackboard Plays. And I'll say the name over and over. So yeah, that to me is the call to action is find these organizations that are doing the work and um, support them. And if you find a parent or caregiver, support PAL and, and send them to PAL because we want to create a home for them as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to, to, to name drop. <laughs> Do it. It's um, so good. <laughs> Black, Blackboard gave the first reading to Jordan E. Cooper's Ain't No Mo, Ain't No Mo, and then a year uh, later, or, or two, 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 two years later, he and I both found ourselves, he was having his, he'd, he'd had like a, a sm- small, smaller st- studio production at the, at the public the year be- before, but the same year I started with my full-time job at the public, he also um, had his full pr- production of that play so it was really this full circle moment where we gave him the first reading in 2017 and then by 2019 he and I were both together having these like very full moments he again had the smaller production to the public in 2018 but 2019 was having his full 
main stage production. So that was a really full circle moment for, 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 for just me to see where black playwrights from Blackboard could also go and to know that we are really supporting artists who, whose work belongs on big national stages and institutions, then they can be any institution. Um, and then also, Jocelyn Bio's School School Girls had its first reading at Blackboard, and, you know, that's also had a PBS. I think she, they also had a, that play was also filmed for great performance performances or for PBS as, 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 as well. So those are, you know, two, 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 two plays that we've also worked with a host of playwrights. We worked with Nicole Salter, Oren Squire, Pia Wilson, James Anthony, Tyler. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And uh, Keele Gibson, I mean, I just so many wonderful black playwrights that you know and also that you do not know because it's also important that Blackboard is just existing as a space for black playwrights who need to have their work heard, right? So if you are somebody, this is your first time who have written a play, that is that is great. You know, come on because I'm not... Uh, I, it, it is important that Blackboard can support support new, early, um, mid, and professional career playwrights. So I think, you know, that is, um, I don't just focus on names, you know, also to note when both of these plays came through, they were that, you know, Jordan submitted the way everybody did through a 10-minute process. He, he gave his, through a 10-page process, and when we when we only had a Google form, and I read his 10-minute minutes, and I forwarded on to my, my Blackboard partner and crime Onike Cummings and I was like I am this play and she was like yeah let's you know so it's like that is how that that happened he was still an undergrad when when that was a thing now Jordan is also like so young and so amazing so Jane 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 yes for sure sure but but also this is before anybody when I knew him, so you to you too could be dis- discovered. I don't know. I just yes. uh, <laughs> no, yes, and all because this mama is making it happen. That's right. All right. Well, thank you both so much. I hurt you both, mucho gusto. I so appreciate your time. Hi, team. Iris again, thanks for listening. If you're into the conversation we just had with Rachel and Garley, I really encourage you to check out. PalTheater.com, P-A-A-L-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.com, and BlackboardPlays.com. You can also check out Every Story is a Love Story, our website, and you'll get quick access to the links to both check out Garlia's 
and Rachel's work individually and the work we all do together at PAL.